Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. What do we know about Samson? He was really, some, come on, be proud. Y'all know it. He was really strong. My feet are strong. We know that he was, there you go. We know that he was really strong. He was the man, like, I try to picture what he looked like. I thought the Bible series did a good job depicting what he may have looked like. But Samson is an amazing character, and I just want to kind of walk you through the story of Samson. I'm not going to read all of the story in the Bible because I'm going to get to the end because that's really where I want to focus on today, but I don't want to skip the important stuff today. So here's the opening part of Samson, and this is the important thing in the Bible where we see it in um, Judges chapter 13. This, is, this gives the picture of Samson's life. And it gives the picture of his destiny. So immediately we find out in verses 3 and 4 his destiny. It says, the angel of the Lord went to his mom and dad and specifically to the woman, to his mom, and said, behold, you're barren. You can't have a son, but you shall conceive and bear a son. And then in verse 4 it says, therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, this son was not ordinary. This son was set apart. This son was going to be one of the saviors of Israel, because at this time, it was the time of judges. So this is what you need to know, is a lot of time has passed, and next week um, is our 300 Sunday. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to tell you about it a little bit at the end, and I'm going to hit another story in Judges. But these characters in Judges were fascinating because you had a Moses who brought them out, who brought them out of slavery, and you had a Joshua who brought them into their promised land. And now that they're in their promised land, they're wandering again because they don't have a Moses or a Joshua to lead them. And so there's this, there's this season of no king, and there's this season of no Moses and Joshua, and they're looking for someone to help them because there's these enemies. There's these Midianites in the story behind. There's these Philistines in the story now, and they need someone to rise up. They need someone whose destiny is to rise up and be great. And in this case, this was who Samson was to be. No razor shall come upon his head because that was what he was set apart to do. And the child shall be a Nazarite from the womb. So God would set him apart from the time that he was conceived. And what was his destiny? It says that he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And so the destiny, the purpose why God made this man was so that he could begin to save the people from the Philistines. Now, I need y'all to know this. I need y'all to know this, and this is really important. <clears throat> In your life, there's something that God designed you to be. And this is crazy because <clears throat> whenever we start talking about destiny, people get nervous because we think to ourselves, well, this is just going to be feel good. This is just going to be something that the pastor wants to talk about to tell me about the destiny, whatever. But I'm telling you right now, God has destined predetermined is what destiny is. He has destined you for something that is absolutely on purpose for your life. He chose you before time began. He made you to be something that is greater than you can imagine. However, listen, 
Everything that comes against you is so you never reach that. Everything that comes against you is so you never reach that. So the title of today's message is Dating Delilah. Someone say Dating Delilah. Dating Delilah. Mm. Mm -mm. So I need to give you some background of the story of Samson because I love this story. I'm going to skip a ton because we know that Judges chapter 14 and Judges chapter 15 are all about the story of Samson. And this was a bad dude, y'all. I'm just telling you. Like, I want to hang out with Samson when we get to heaven just so I can ask him questions. Because this cat was awesome. So, we know in the story that Samson, in Judges 15, Samson's walking down the road. He's met this girl. He's fallen in love with this girl. Right? And he's just going down the road to go meet up with this girl that he's fallen in love with. And a lion attacks him. Now, I don't know about y'all. Right? But if I'm walking down the road and a lion comes up and pounces, I'm gone. Are y'all okay? I don't care if I have a knife or some form of weaponry. If it doesn't have lead in it and I'm not shooting, come on. We in trouble. Not Samson. Samson grabs the lion's face and goes, Klaklowski, and the lion is just, and he's dead, right? And that's a bad dude. Is anybody okay in here today? That's a bad dude. And so the important thing in that story is that not only does he kill him, but inside the lion's remains... A honeycomb is made and Samson eats from it. Then he makes this, he makes this thing out of, the, out of what was dead and he makes this, this, this rhyme up and goes to the Philistines. And when he's going to marry his wife, who's a Philistine, he's in love with this woman and he gives this riddle to these men and these 30 men bet him, like, I can figure out your riddle. And they can't. For, for no, there's no way that they were going to figure out that there was honey inside of a lion. <clears throat> and so... His wife gets pressured because she's one of these people and she says, tell me what the riddle is. Tell me what the riddle is. And at the end of the three days when, when he needs to know, she, he finally says, look, it was in, honey inside the lion and whatever. And she goes and tells these 30 men. And Samson finds out that she told him, finds out that, that he got tricked and hoodooed. This is when you start knowing that you're a bad dude. I'm just telling y'all, okay? When you lose the bet and so you don't get all the riches from them, and you realize that you got hoodoo, so you go kill them all, and you take all their stuff anyway. <laughs> That's a bad man. Like, if you can kill one of them, you're crazy. But he went, and got, or he went and got all of them, and he took their stuff. But listen, this is crazy. In his anger, he walked away. He went home. He, he, he left his bride. And, and the Bible says at the end of this chapter, chapter 14, at the end of it, it says that that Samson left and his best man who he wasn't boys with, it was just someone in the crowd, that, that as he left, the Philistines gave his wife to his best man. I don't know about y'all, but I'm just going to say this. My wife is right there. If, if my best man all of a sudden had my wife, y'all don't be quiet on me now because y'all know. I'm already thinking about roundhouse kicking somebody. Come on. And so Samson does. This is, I love this part. Like, I don't even know what this looks like. Samson got 300 foxes. Now, I don't even know how that even happens. How do you catch 300 foxes? <clears throat> but he caught 300. And he didn't just catch them. He tied their tails together. So y'all can see him going crazy, right? And then, he, and then he sets their tails on fire. And he puts them in the field and says, burn the fields. Just so we can get them out and get them angry. 
This story, y'all, it's crazy. And the people get mad because if you go catching their foxes and burn their fields down with foxes that you caught from their fields, they get mad, I guess. I don't understand it, but I guess people get upset. And so he goes back and he hides in this cave. And his own people, Judah, and there's a whole message right here. There's a whole message that I don't have time for, but I'm just telling you, your own people will turn their back on you if you begin to do what they don't want you to do. His own people said, we need you to let us capture you. And you know they went in there like the shaking. They had seen dude catch foxes and burn them, and he beat up a freaking lion by himself. And so you know they went in there shaking, and Samson was like, all right. And so they tied him up with brand new rope. And the Bible says that when the Spirit of God fell on him, when they brought him to the Philistines, the Philistines thought they had him. They brought out 3,000 men, and they were like, we got dude now. And it says when the Spirit of God came on him that, it, that the ropes broke like flax, like, and they just snapped. And I don't even know if that shows the strength of him. It showed the strength of the Lord. And they, and they popped. And this is the part, y'all. He did not pick up a sword or a spear. He picked up the jawbone of a somebody, of a donkey. How crazy. A jawbone, like, it's just laying there. Donkey died. You feel sorry for it. Eeyore's not alive anymore. We're sad, right? And, and so he picks up the jawbone, and he kills a thousand people. One dude, y'all. I, I know we just take stories of the Bible and we just work through them, but this is like the movie 300 on steroids. Are y'all okay? They got weapons, I promise. They came ready. They knew Samson was nuts, and he said, I don't need all that. Zoom, clack, 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 and he's just shredding people. Just shredding people. And after he had had his great victory and killed a thousand people, a spring came up. And he drank and the Lord restored him and then he went home. But this is where we get to the part of the story that I want to sit on. And this is where I want all of you to consider where your life is today. Because I know none of us have taken the jawbone of a donkey. Sometimes I feel like I got to be careful when I say stuff because maybe it happened to somebody. I'm sure that no one's ever had a jawbone of a donkey. But all of us have had these things in our life where we feel betrayed. Are y'all okay? Has anybody ever felt betrayed in the room? And it's in those betrayals, it's in those moments that we feel betrayed that we look around and we try to find comfort in all the wrong places. Now, I need you to remember that God destined this man to help defeat the Philistines, to help bring the Israelites, the people that were wandering through the wilderness, that then went into their Canaan, their promised land, that as they were in their Canaan, they turned their back on God. And God said, I'm going I'm to raise up a remnant. And he's going to be one of mine, and I'm going to begin to show the people that I am still here, and they can trust me, and I can defeat this enemy with the snap of my fingers. But everything in your life will try to keep you, everything in your life will try to keep you from doing exactly what God destined for you to do. And in this case, in this case, it was a relationship. It was dating Delilah. Y'all look at this. Nothing will destroy your destiny faster than being with the wrong person. Nothing. There's some people in the room that you are lovesick and you so desperately want to be with somebody that you spend the majority of your time trying to find Mr. Right or Miss Right. 
You, try, you do everything in your power to try to find a dude that will actually spend time loving you. And you look at constantly for the right person, hoping that the relationship that you find can actually give you fulfillment. Listen to me. A relationship was never intended to fulfill you. It was intended to make you whole. And, 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 and if I believe that my relationship with Leah is supposed to make me complete and not us together walking in our destinies, that we're better together if we're in Christ. But if I'm not, if I'm just looking at the wrong things, then it will be the greatest deterrent in my life, especially for walking in my destiny. Most people <clears throat> that I find that fall away from Christ, it's because they've dated Delilah. And I'm not talking about a woman. I'm talking about the wrong person. They're looking at it the wrong way. They're trying to go into a relationship for all the wrong reasons. They're hoping against hope. And I'm going to say some stuff today that's a little PG-13, but I don't apologize for it. If the only thing that you look at when you're about to date somebody is she's sexy or he's sexy, I'm just going to... I'm just going to say it so y'all can be offended if you like to be offended. Sexy eventually has to talk back. Are y'all okay? Y'all, I'm just telling you. The people on TV that you see that you like, if they get off that acting thing, I don't really want to talk to some of them because I'm sure that they ain't real fun to talk to. Are y'all with me? Some of them may be great people. I'm not even judging them. I, I believe that you should be physically attracted. I know that that's a first impression thing and if you're not physically attracted to the person that's going to be awkward right you're the nicest person in the world but you kind of jacked up so like that's not really the goal it's not really the goal but I'm telling you right now that no one is better than the wrong one and most of us have this desire to be with someone because we feel unfulfilled in our lives, whether it's a relationship issue in the past, whether it's trouble with our parents growing up, whether it's this void in our lives because dad left or, or whatever happened in our lives. We feel this massive void, and it is real, and I'm not downplaying it at all, but when there's a void like Samson had because he loved his wife, y'all, he loved this woman. He felt a great deal of rage, which many of us have felt. And then in our hearts, when we feel this hole, when we try to fill it with anything but the Lord Jesus, when the hole is not healed and we try to get a man to heal it or a woman to heal it, we are doomed to repeat cycles that are far deeper and uglier than they ever were. In my life, in my life, I want you to know that I'm married to an incredible woman who I believe God destined for me to be with. Relationships are not bad. Relationships are awesome. So I don't want y'all to think that dating Delilah, that this message is about don't have relationships. Lee and I have a crazy relationship. We, we fight. I know you're not supposed to, and the pastor's not supposed to say we fight, but Lee and I have a real life, so we argue about stuff. <laughs> And most of the time, I think I'm right, and she's right. So there you go. Here's what I like to say, y'all. I like to say that we're a drama queen. I'm the drama, and she's the queen. Is that right? Praise the Lord. And we love each other, and we have fun. And this is where I'm going to step out on some maybe thin ice with some of you, but I really feel anointed to say this today. 
I've been married for 16 years, and I'm thankful for that in August. It's 16 years. I've been with Leah for 20. I find her absolutely beautiful. But no matter how long you've been with someone, and no matter how beautiful they are, it always seems like there's something that's greener on the other side. It could be that you look at a relationship across the way and you think that their relationship's really good and I wish I had that. But in that wishing that you had that, you begin to let your heart open up and become calloused toward the one that God ordained you and called you to be with. It's so easy to do. And it's easy to let the enemy sneak in because, y'all, most of the time, adultery and affairs do not come in with us thinking, I'm going to cheat on my wife. Most of the time, they happen by us just opening our heart up to, to imagination of what it could be like with, because the grass is greener across the way. Across, the grass is greener across the street. And Delilah begins to look enticing because she is enticing. And this is not about a she. This is about something else other than what God predetermined for my life. And as we begin to express our emotions to the opposite sex, we open ourselves up and begin to let stuff in that was never supposed to be in. We do it innocently most of the time where we say, I, 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 just, I just wanted to talk to somebody and I felt like she or he would listen to me. And, and we open ourselves up to these things and we look back and we go, how did I end up here? We don't necessarily go out to date Delilah, but it's what we see that we like. Y'all, I'm just telling you the grass is greener on the other side because it went through a lot of manure. And just because it looks good does not mean that that's what I want. Sometimes it's astroturf. The wedding that I got to go to last night and play a small part of, the grass looks amazing, but it is fake all around. I was joking with the guy that owns the place that I know. I said, Tim, your grass looks amazing, man. Did you just cut it? And he laughed at me, said, you're an idiot, and was giving me a hard time. But from a distance, we would look at that and say, I wish my grass looked that way. But it's because it's not real. We want things in our lives that aren't real. But I'm telling you, relationships are hard. Relationships take work. But God determined for many of you to be together. And when we start wishing that we had another, Be careful what you wish for because the enemy might just give it to you. But it will be the greatest destruction in your life. Because here's what happened with Delilah in Judges chapter 16. I'm going to skip down after I read a couple verses. But I want you to know that after he had loved his wife, he then loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was? Say it, whose name was? Delilah. Whose name was Delilah. After he had gone through this hardship, after he had, he had had his heart ripped open, not being healed properly, looking for the, for the place to heal his heart, he looked for love in all the wrong places and he found this woman who he loved. Now I'm going to argue that his definition of love was not the proper definition of love because he liked what he saw and he thought he could heal this way. And, and after this part of the story, here's what happens in the story is Delilah gives him what he wants, and they lay together, and they enjoy each other. And three different times, Delilah asked him, show me how your great strength comes. Delilah was mischievous and trying to get at him. Delilah was offered lots of money by the Philistines to find out his secret so that they could defeat him, so that they could overtake him. But the only thing that Samson could see was, that's a fine piece of tail, I'm going to get me some of that. And I'm not trying to be funny, I'm just telling you what he thought. He didn't love her. He loved to look at her. He loved to lie with her. 
But when the only thing that that girl is saying to you after you are doing what you were doing with her is how do you, how do you have your strength? If he would have had his senses about him, he would have said, what is wrong with you? Are you crazy? Why are you asking me this stuff? I thought you liked me for me. She didn't like you for you. She was trying to get something from you. Three times she tries to find out his weaknesses. Love isn't blind. I get tired of people saying love is blind. Love chooses not to bring up the mess, y'all. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud is what 1 Corinthians 13. It, it, decides, it decides in my heart when I have love in my heart for my spouse that I won't keep a record and bring it up when we're fighting of right and wrong. But I'll rejoice in the truth. I'll rejoice in her truth. I'll rejoice when God raises her up. I'll rejoice when God increases her, not just increases me, because it's never all about me. And when, when, when love becomes all about me and what you can give me, it is not love. Lust is what is blind. Lust will cause me to only want one thing from the opposite sex. And in this case, Samson only thought of one thing. He could care less that she was trying to take everything from him and just, listen, destroy his destiny. He was put on the earth to save the Israelites or begin the process from the Philistines. And the only, he never thought about that, y'all. Here's what I want to ask you. Here's what I want to ask you. When it comes to the person that you're hoping to meet up with, and for married people in the room, if we've said yes and we made a covenant before God, we're tied to them, so we just need to become better uses, and hopefully this makes us better, and I believe it will. But when it comes to everybody in here that's looking, if the only thing we think is, what can I get from them, what can they give me, and not does this person help me, and can I help them reach what God has called us to reach, then we're looking for all the wrong stuff in all the wrong places. And most of the time that's the case because we are humans. And as a result, we are attracted through physical features. And I believe Delilah was absolutely beautiful. But if every time someone talks to you like Delilah and she always asks you, asks you, asks you, I want to know your weakness and what hurts you, ask yourself this, why does she want to know that? He was completely blind. Let me tell you what I believe that means, the blind part. A lot of people use the words, a lot of people use the words in Ephesians 5, do not get drunk with wine which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that they think that it means only about drunkenness and they take a big thing on alcohol. Here's what I really believe is the debauchery and the eyes off of Jesus and the not filled with the Holy Spirit is the key to that part. Because in this case, he was completely drunk. And I believe and the scripture would have told us he had taken the Nazarene or the Nazarite vow. I believe we would have known if he would have gotten drunk. I believe they would have told us, never do this and never cut your hair. I believe that the Bible would have told us this, but he was absolutely drunk. He never considered the ramifications of his actions. And when we read this, we think, what an idiot. Why are you doing this? What, what, what's wrong with you? Why couldn't you see it? But all of us, there's not one person under the sound of my voice, there's not one, that at some level, in some place, at some time, have not had the same exact situation take place where we couldn't see the forest from the trees is what we say, right? 
We couldn't see it because all we could think about is what is she going to do next? What is she going to wear next? Where can I meet up with her? Is she talking to somebody else? I'll kill that person if they're talking to her. I can't believe what's going on. And we feel this great deal of rage. We feel this passion that, that we can't, and it entangles us up and we start doing things that we would never imagine doing otherwise. And we can't imagine how it got to this point, but it's because lust is blind. And I don't know if there's something in this world that captures the hearts of God's people more than our feeling that we need that. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I believe that God planned for many or maybe most of you to have a husband or wife. And when you find the right person, it's amazing. It is work to have a good relationship, but it's not work to know if that's the right person. You know. But if all you ever try to do is prove yourself to this person, you can't be yourself. You try to make sure that they love you. You try to make sure that you never really tell them the truth because you're afraid, listen, that if they find out the truth about you, they may not like you. If they don't like you, if they find out the truth, then tell them the freaking truth as fast as you can and run for the hills. Because you don't want to be around anybody that doesn't love you for you. You don't want to let anybody in the deepest parts of your heart if they don't love you for who you are and not what you bring to the table. And three times she asked him, and three times he lies to her. He's like, I can't tell her this. So he says, if you tie me up in a new rope, and then he snaps out of the new rope. You know what's interesting is I've just had this thought as I was studying Samson. Is like, do you not get a clue when the three times when the soldiers come in to try to get you? And you know what? I laugh at him. I say, that's stupid. And then I go do the same thing because sin is blinding. Sin overwhelms me. Sin buries me up to my eyes when all I can think about is what can I get? What can I do? That is why it is so devastating to fall into sins of my eyes. Because it's like being buried alive. And I think to myself, I'd never fall for that. But I find that in my own life, as I take an inventory of my life, that I've fallen for that many times. And even though that particular sin and situation has never taken place in my life, many days of my life have I fallen into sins that are, even though they're different, they're very similar in nature as far as outcome goes. And it's because the only thing I can think about is me. And if the enemy can cause you to think about you and what you can get, and not what God has designed you to be. He's got you right where he wants you. And he'll give you, listen to me, anything and everything that you could ever imagine. Because whenever we say that God wants to give us the desires of our heart, we have to make sure that we read the first part of that verse, delight yourself in the Lord. The last thing that Samson was doing when he was with Delilah is delighting in the Lord. He wasn't thinking about the Lord, he was thinking about Delilah. And if my relationship with Leah or Leah's relationship with Mark does not cause us to thank the Lord. And, and we don't realize that this is the greatest picture of salvation that was ever given. That Jesus is the groom and we are the bride of Christ. That when, we, when two become one flesh, we are picturing and showing the world what it looks like to be saved. And whenever we screw that up and decide that it's about us, we're telling the world you can take a manufactured, fabricated lie 
of the salvation that God gave us and do whatever you want to do. And it is most of the world. Y'all, I have no idea what your relationships are like. But based on statistics, based on statistics, there are many people that are either pulling away from their spouse or they're finding love in another place in this room, not out there. You are powerless the minute that you decide to take love in your own hands. And instead of it pushing you to your destiny in Christ Jesus, because that's what a good relationship is supposed to do. It's not good for a man to be alone, so he gave me a helpmate. It's not good for a woman to be alone, and we're tied together. But whenever we decide to do it on our own, it's not just breaks. It's the whole different way from where God intended for you to be. It's devastating. And so Samson in this story does what any man does. Y'all just bear with me. Let it be light for a minute. And when a lady's nagging him, he just finally tells what he's supposed to tell. Come on, somebody. Are y'all awake? Okay, I'll tell you for the love of goodness. And look, it says, she said to him, how can you say you love me? Can y'all hear it? Whining, and lying. She wasn't telling the truth. Somebody told How can you say you love me in your heart, Samson? So pretty. You've mocked me three times. You've told me these things. You were just lying. You're so mean. I'm so mad at you. And Samson decides, I'm just going to say it. Look, it says that when she had pressed him hard with her words day after day, why are you going back? Someone just roundhouse kicked somebody. His soul was vexed, meaning deeply burdened to the point that he gave up. Can I talk to somebody in here? I think that's some of you. I think your soul is vexed, and I'm not saying that you're sitting beside Delilah right now. I don't know what the case is for you, because it could be very different than a relationship, but it could be that you've given up and you've been defeated for whatever reason, and you've said, I'm done. His soul was vexed. And verse 17 says, he told her all that was in his heart. He had never told anyone in his life. And he finally gave up and threw his hands up. And that is what Satan, our enemy, hopes that you'll do is throw your hands up and say, I can't do this. I'm done. I'm giving up. If he can get you to say, I'm giving up, I'm tired, I'm overwhelmed. And that's not what we say to God. Because he loves it when we tell him, I can't do this without you. And he's ready and willing to pick you up, put your feet on the solid rock and take you where you're supposed to go. But as soon as I say I'm giving up and I'm running to the sin that makes me feel comforted because it's that thing that makes you feel comforted. It's the thing that you hate the most that you'll run to because it's the only place that you believe you can find comfort in that moment. And he believed that the touch of his girl could make him feel comfort. So he said, I'm giving up this fight. I know this is my destiny, but I'm just giving it up. It reminds me of Jacob and Esau who gave up his birthright for a bowl of soup. Because we lose our minds when the only thing we can think about is our bellies or our lust or our eyes. We'll do anything. And he said, no razors come upon my head because I'm a Nazarite. If my head is shaved, y'all look at this, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak as any other man. You know, what I find interesting, y'all, most of the time we are attracted to people based on their gift. This isn't a bad thing. Like if anybody thinks this is bad, we're missing the point. 
When you watch TV, we're not attracted to LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, whoever you like to watch play basketball. We're not attracted to them because of their personality. Are y'all okay? It's okay to say yes. We, they can play. Are y'all good? They're really good. Nobody liked Tiger Woods because they liked how Tiger Woods was. That dude could hit a golf ball. He was real good. But as soon as we show the world our weaknesses, look at what everybody's done to Tiger Woods. They hate him. They've crucified him. Nobody likes him because he can't give me anything anymore. He, he can't show me his gift. Y'all, this is not who I am. This is what I get to do a couple hours a week. I spend a lot of time making sure that I know what I'm doing. This is my arena. I love it. I believe God's put me on the planet to declare his message to the world. But, but at home, when Hastings sick, he don't care that daddy stands on a stage. He wants daddy. And if my integrity and my character does not, does not match or greater than what my gift is on a stage, then Hastings going to look at me and say, that was a lie. Because, because he doesn't need the good on the stage. He needs the dad that loves him. See, when people are attracted to your gift, when people are attracted to what you're good at, they'll lean in. But it's not what you're good at or your gift that really determines if someone should be tied to you. Look, what people do when they find out your weaknesses, somebody say weakness. That's what determines if they should be tied to you. What people do when they find out your weakest thing, excuse me, weakest thing about you. Here's what I appreciate about my wife. Leah could do a sermon series called My Crazy Husband. And it would be entertaining and it would be sad. But the reality is there's a lot of stuff that Leah's had to deal with in the 20 years that we've been together because I have many weaknesses. But what binds us together is, is not what I'm good at. What, what brings us together and carries us is that a lot of her strengths are my weaknesses and vice versa. And we don't have to compete with each other. God made us to fit together so that we can walk together. In my weakness, she is strong. In my in my strength, she is weak, and together we can be a picture of Jesus and us, and we can walk together. And the best picture of in my weakness, he is strong, is Jesus, because he's never weak. He's always strong. So if I was your enemy, what I would try to do is make sure that, that you don't like this relationship, and you don't look to this relationship, and you look for other places to cover your weaknesses, not complete your weaknesses. And in this case, what was happening right here is that Samson was tired of fighting the good fight. And he gave up and threw his hands up and said, I'll just tell you what my deal is. Should he have been tied to Delilah? No, absolutely not. But it wasn't because she was attractive. Attractiveness is not a bad thing, but that's the outward appearance. That's the this. This is not who Mark Pangle is. This is what God called me to do. Who I am is what I am when I'm all alone, when I'm by myself, when no one can see me. That's the mark that Leah has to live with, not the mark on the stage. And when Leah knows those things about me, but she's drawn even closer, that's why I'm supposed to be tied to her. Who your soul is clinging to and tied to should be very limited and careful because I should only let a few people in my life, and this goes for friendships as well. When people find out my weaknesses and they begin to gossip about me or want something from me, that does not mean that I can't talk to them or be friendly with them, but there's only a few people in my life that I should open myself completely up to. 
And the moments that I believe that I'm smart enough to overdo that, it's a Mark problem, not a you problem. And you know what I found tears me down as fast as anything letting people in? That celebrate my gift but tear me down in my weakness. Can I tell you who that's true for? Every single person that I'm listening to. I just don't know if you've had the awareness or the hurt, if I can be real with y'all, to look open and say, I love them and I'm not even mad at them. But they shouldn't have all of me. Because whenever they find out the yuck part of me, God did not intend for them to have soul-to-soul tie with. Look what happened in the story. In verse 18, it says, when Delilah saw that he told her the truth, she called for the Philistine saying, come, come now for, he's told me all in his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came and brought the money in their hands. I think that's such a sad verse. And Delilah wooed him to sleep and was playing with his hair. And she called the man to shave his head off, or excuse me, shave the locks off his head. And she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And it says, the Philistines are upon you, Samson, like she had done the other three times. Help, Samson, the Philistines are coming. And he awoke, and he was ready to do the same thing he had always done. And he was so blinded by his lust that he forgot what he had told her. And the other times he had shaken free, but this time he did not know that the Lord had left him. I think that's such a sad verse. And the Philistines seized him. And I need y'all to get this part because we can read over this and we can miss this. It says that they gouged his eyes out. God has put a plan and a dream in your heart. And if you don't know it today, you may not know God. I'm not saying that you have to know every detail because no one knows every detail. But when you meet Jesus, he loves to give you a picture of what he would have for you to do. There's a dream that begins to bubble inside of you and he prepares a way before you. The Bible says in Psalm 23 that, that, that he leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake, that I have a plan in place that I'm supposed to do. And when I stop looking for that road that God's called me on and I start trying to find my own way, it's because I've, I've, I've forgotten that his love is relenting, that he loves me the same every single day no matter where I've been and I, and I lose sight of my great God because I try to find it in all these wrong places. And, and many of us feel this way today. And all that the enemy's trying to do for you is what he did right here, what the Philistines did here because that's a picture of the enemy against you. This is a type and shadow, a picture of our lives. If I can cause you to not have a vision for your life and to have your eyes completely gouged out where you can't look at Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, like Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, then I've got you exactly where I want you so that you believe there's no hope. And in this case, if, if sight in this way is hope, then he was hopeless. He believed that, that the love was not relenting anymore and that God had forgotten him. And, and it says that they brought him down to Gaza and that they put bronze shackles on him. And, and as a prisoner, as a slave prisoner, he began to mill. He was, he was being mocked and ridiculed. The people hated him. They were making fun of him. Here's what I want you to walk away with. Look at this. The enemy wants to blind you of your purpose by causing you to walk defeated in your shame. But the next verse is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, y'all. Right after all of this, right after this sad place that we see, look what verse 22 says. It says, but, my goodness, this is such a great verse. Like, 
It was before Samson came to his senses. It was before Samson repented. It was before anything happened. God did not leave him. God did not hate him. God was not angry. It says, but the hair on his head began to grow after it had been shaved. And the thing that you thought was over because you thought there was no hope anymore has begun to grow. You just got to see it. You've got to see that even though you may never see like you used to see again, God may not need you to see to accomplish his purpose. Because the hair on his head began to grow. And they, they made fun of him and they brought him in and they ridiculed him. And then skip down to verse 28. Look what this says. It says, then Samson, they were in this great temple, this great assembly of people. Thousands of people were in the room. And they brought him in. They were mocking him, making fun of him. Look at the great Samson. He did all of this stuff, but now we got him. And he prayed, oh, Lord, God, please remember me and please strengthen me this one more time. Oh, God, that I may be able to avenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. They took my vision, but, God, I want it back one more time so that you can be glorified and honored. Help me do what you called me to do. Look what this says. Samson grasps the two middle pillars. A boy took him over there and tells the boy, get out of here. And then he grabs the two pillars that held up the whole place. When we picture this, sometimes we picture it as these small pillars. Y'all, these things were massive. This place was huge. This is not something that with... It would have taken heavy equipment to drive through this. This was not a small miracle. This was a massive miracle. And he stretches his hands out on these pillars that the house rested on. And he leans his weight against them. His right hand on one and his left hand on the other. And it says, Samson said, let me die with these Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength. And the house fell on the Lord's and upon all the people. And everybody was killed in there. Look at this. So the dead whom he killed at his own death were more than everybody he had killed while he was alive. And some people think that that part of the story is sad, but I think it's incredible. Because if you lose all your strength, and that's what God destined for you to be, and you lose your ability to see, and you don't have anything left because the woman that you had fallen for only wanted to trick you so she could take everything from you, and yet you were put on the planet to help defeat the Philistines, and every influential Philistine on the planet at the time was defeated. Samson's life is sad. His, his story is sad to look through. He lived a defeated life, but he died undefeated because he went back to the Lord. And he did exactly what God destined him to do. And no matter what people say and no matter how people trick you, Samson was a sad character. Samson did this. No, Samson died undefeated because Samson did what God called him to do. And I'm here to tell you today that no matter how far you've fallen or no matter how far you've gone, ask the Lord to put your hands back on the pillar and put your feet on the solid rock. He will find you and he will pick you back up. There's no place that you can go as long as you're breathing that's too far from God. But you've got to look back to Jesus. You've got to look back to Jesus. And some of you have got to look to him for the first time because you've been Samson looking at Delilah and you've got to quit dating Delilah and you've got to start dating Jesus. He wants to be your bridegroom and you are the bride, men and women, tied to the Lord Jesus as our Savior. And for some of you, for the very first time, that's going to be you right now. And so this is how we're going to close. I believe that some of you need to say yes to Jesus right now and say, I'm tired of being defeated and overwhelmed and I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. I'm ready to come back to Jesus. 
I'm ready to do this thing today. Will you pray with me? With your heads bowed and eyes closed all over the room. Pastor Mark, I feel like you were talking straight to me. I feel defeated in my life. I feel overwhelmed. And I'm ready to say yes to Jesus today. If that's you, all over the room, if that's you, I just want you to throw your hand up and say, that's me. That's me, Pastor. Thank you. Keep your hand up. Thank you right here. Keep your hands up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We see you in the back. Thank you so much. Anybody else? There were two people that I just saw in the back right here. Right beside her, Blake. How about for everybody in the room that would say, I know Jesus, I follow Jesus, but I feel defeated. I feel like my vision's been stolen from me. I feel like it's been taken, and I want to walk back to God today. If that's you, just let me see your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, all over the room. Lord Jesus, we trust you, and in everything that we do, We just want to say that no matter how far away we were, no matter how far away we are, Lord, we're coming home and we want to walk with you. God, thank you that the end of the story is not Delilah. The end of the story is destiny. And God, today we let down, we set down, we cut off our Delilahs, whatever it is in our lives, and we cling to our destinies that you've called us to. Because you who began a good work in us will see it through to the day of completion in Christ Jesus. Lord, we cling to you, we tie to you, and we say we love you back because your love is unrelenting. Your love is amazing. We love you back, Jesus. We don't deserve your love, God. We should have your punishment and your wrath because so many times we've chosen Delilah over you. But God, today we let that down. We cut that off. We break up with Delilah so that we can cling to you. And in Jesus' name, we feel hope. We feel hope fullness and not hopelessness and we believe God that our destinies are intact and that we're walking in you God thank you for being who you are and thank you for loving us so much and now we stand and we declare that you are good and we love you Jesus we love you in Jesus name amen y'all stand and sing with us